You're listening to The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI Public Radio International in collaboration with The New York Times and WGBH Boston Public Radio. On Monday, the 118th Boston Marathon will be like no other. The first race after the tragic bombings will be an emotional reflection of that other marathon a year ago that was like no other before it. There will be 36,000 runners this time, and one of the last will be longtime race director Dave McGilvray. He likes to wait for all the runners to finish up before he hits the course in the evening, turning down Boylston Street with the last tired runners long after dark. Dave is Mr. Empathy regarding his marathon runners. He's run 41 Boston marathons and overseen the last 26, and he's really feeling it this year. Quite honestly, John, I've never seen anything or experienced anything like this. I don't know that there will be or has been or will ever be another sporting event that will have this level of emotion than we'll experience on April 21st in Boston. You know, they say, uh, coaches say, that uh, you know, if you're getting a headwind in a long-distance race uh, or if you encounter a hill, um, you really embrace that hill. You lean into the wind. You, 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 you take it on um, as a way to get through it. Um, have you leaned into the changes this year, or have you tried to keep it the same, uh, you know, not, not really acknowledge that this is a very different race visually? I agree with the coaches who um, sort of have that sort of philosophy. Uh, 35 years ago, I ran across the United States, and I always thought once I hit the Rocky Mountains, man, this is going to be brutal. And the opposite happened um, because I was in the moment. You know, I'm finally here. The anxiety leading up to it was was daunting, but once once you were there, you say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put my head down. And I'm gonna I'm gonna blast through this. Obviously, the the big part challenge for us on the organizational side is just you know the level of enhanced security and what what that is and what that means. And you know, do you build the security around the event or do you build the event around security? And it's been a balancing act. You know, I'm thinking back to the state of emergency, the lockdown, um, the, the the streets of Boston that week that, uh, you know, were filled with armored vehicles. Um, you're not talking gun-lined streets, are you, in Boston on, on, on race day? And, and what about the, the finish line? Is, is the security going to interfere with the emotional reunions of people crossing that finish line and uh, going into the arms of their loved ones? Again, we leave public safety to our public safety officials. We work in collaboration, obviously, with them from uh, the federal side to the state side to the cities and towns. Um, all that being said, all our discussions have always been about that delicate balance between just ensuring the safety of everyone, protecting everyone involved or near the event, but at the same time, wanting to continue to maintain that family fun friendly environment. So um so there'll be enhanced security for sure, but you're not going to see armored cars and you know rifle bearing uh, soldiers and police officers at every corner. But your family's going to stay home? Yeah, everyone has to deal with this in their own way. I mean, I had a 8-year-old son in the bleaches and you know, he obviously saw everything. Um, as did my daughter, as did my wife, and 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 the marathon of 2013 has has not left <laughs> my environment. I mean, I eat, sleep, and drink. <laughs> you know, the marathon. You know, we haven't stopped working on the race since 
April 15th. Um, it's just been constant. So they haven't had a chance to sort of just recover from it themselves. And it's my wife and my and their decision that, you know, they just want to spend the day and have fun. It's their way of handling this, which I'm supportive of. Dave, how will the uh, finish line be different? Will you need a special credential? Will people be allowed to carry bags? Will there be search teams, metal detectors? Uh... I think from the outside looking in, it, it'll look the same. I mean, the, the physical structures and, you know, the real estate in and of itself. At the same time, you know, yeah, I mean, there'll be additional security and people who get into the security area need to be appropriately credentialed. And um, and those outside the security area, there'll be checkpoints. I think it's going to work well. It's our understanding, though, that the uh, marathon coach at Tufts won't be allowed to be at the finish line um, to greet all of his runners, as he's done for nearly a decade. Uh, is that because of security? Is No, not really. Um, it's more... You have to understand, um, the hundredth running of the Boston Marathon, we had 38,000 people. And, John, for, for about two years, all people talked to me about is, how are you going to do that? You know, that small little venue that you have, you know, we have no more real estate to do business with today than they had 100 years ago when they had 200 people on this course. And now we're putting 38,000 people on it. And so we, we really need to be sure that the race goes efficiently and without gridlock and bottlenecks and stuff. So even if you know, there was no heightened level of security, we would have had to take measures like this just because um, of of just the lack of space to be able to do it. Mm. So we're at mile 17, all right? And mm-hmm. uh, there's a runner out there who's looking around, seeing the crowds, remembers last year, and all of a sudden they get this tightness in their chest. They're a little bit scared. They're They're really worried. They're, whoa, I really don't know what's going on out there. Be the coach in their ear to get them to mile 26. Well, again, um, I guess it all depends on what actually is going on. I've always felt there's two types of pain. There's challenge and pain and wanting pain. So if this individual is in distress and is in trouble, <laughs> then uh, they have to heed those wantings and, and, and pull themselves into a medical tent along the way. But if it's more just an emotional thing... Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I always feel that if you cut yourself and it scars, the scar tissue is stronger than the than the original skin. And I feel emotions are the same way. And that once you've gone through something, you know, if you have a positive attitude, you can come out the other side stronger as a result for it. Therein lies the moniker, Boston Strong. You know, personally, I'm looking forward to directing it. And then I'm looking forward to running it myself later on that day and being the last finisher again this year. Dave McGilvray, thanks so much. Good luck. Thanks very much, John. Dave McGilvray is the longtime race director of the Boston Marathon. Here's another example of empathy for folks struggling in a different kind of marathon, life. This is Sharon Green from Wareham, Massachusetts. For months, we had hauled water in every day because our well had won dry. Our neighbors, without us asking, paid for us to be hooked up to town water. They dug the trench. They refused to take penny in return. Mike and Sharon, still thank you very much and still enjoy the water that we have today because of your kindness. Any expression of empathy you're grateful for, 8778-MY-TAKE or leave a comment at facebook.com slash the takeaway.
I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.